Okay, open your Bibles, if you would, uh, to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number 5, Hebrews chapter number 5. I encourage you to bring your Bible to church. Um, church is designed to equip you. Uh, believe it or not, I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to equip you. I'm here to tell you what the Bible says, not what you want to hear all the time. I know that can be a little bit uh, unnerving, but if you'll just stick around in the things of God, you will find that it is better uh, to uh, mold your life in accordance with the Word of God than it is for you to try to mold the Word of God according or around your life. Amen? We're in the middle of a summer of protein. We're giving and teaching uh, the meat of the Word of God uh, this summer. Uh, we don't have much milk to serve. But Hebrews chapter 5 will begin in verse number 8. Everybody say, pass the beef. Pass the beef. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. This is speaking of Jesus. That's why there's a capital S there. Uh, it's speaking of his suffering on the cross and the passion that led up to it. Uh, the word learned there is an interesting word in, in, he, in Hebrew. Uh, it literally means in the habit of. So it's not saying, because Jesus, uh, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. There's nothing that, create, that was created that was not created in him, through him, by him. Uh, but he is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He is the Word. Uh, he is the Son of God. Yet somehow, powerfully, supernaturally, in one of the greatest... Uh, uh, one of the greatest uh, uh, conditions of the entire universe and galaxy and eternity is that God is three parts, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet He is one. So the Son of God, uh, it's not like He did not know something. Uh, so this word in the Hebrew does not necessarily mean to learn like you were taught something like you didn't know. It's to say that you're in the habit of. So it's saying, though He were the Son of God, He was in the habit uh, of obedience and He suffered in that habit. Now, some of us, uh, we have been living for God long enough to go through uh, some suffering, to go through some things. And, and let me just tell you uh, that going through some things with God is a lot better than going through things without God. The Bible says uh, that it rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. And the Bible says that as we go through trials and as we go through tribulations, we literally, uh, uh, as we develop and become in the habit of pursuing God and doing what God has asked us to do, you're going to come across some trials and some tribulation. Well, bless God, when those trials and tribulations show up, that's your opportunity to utilize the faith that God has put on the inside of you and the Word of God that you have put into your life and into your heart to overcome the trials of this world because the Bible says that you are more than a conqueror. Amen. You are not built to be beat up, beat down, busted, disgusted, and set uh, down by the wayside. On the opposite, you are actually built to be more than a conqueror. You're built to be mighty through God. You're, about to, you're built to be strong in Him. But we've got to build ourself up, the Bible says in Jude, on our most holy faith. We've got to build ourself up. We've got to figure out how can I get more faith on the inside of me because faith is the one thing that will get you from where you are to where you need to be. Somebody say amen. amen. Verse 9, And being made perfect or complete, He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them uh, that obey Him. 
That word author is very interesting. It also means the causer or to make something happen. He is the causer of our salvation. Listen, every single person uh, is hanging over eternal damnation uh, without Christ. But the minute you get in Christ Jesus, now you have gotten inside of who He is, who is the causer, the author of eternal salvation. Don't you let the devil lie to you. You are not what you used to be. You say, well, I cussed the person out in traffic yesterday. Well, bless God, thank God you didn't pull them over and tell them in person. You're not what you used to be. You are a new creature in Christ. All things have passed away and everything has become new. You're different. Doesn't mean you can't miss the mark from time to time. It means the standard in your life is righteousness, holiness, Pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. Seeking after the presence of God. Uh, reading the Word of God. Letting the praises of God come out of your mouth. Let it be meditating in your mind. Let your family be nourished by the power and presence of God. Let your day be filled with focus on who He is and what He's called you to be. You're not who you were. You mess up, you repent of that thing, and then you push towards the mark again. But don't you let the devil put you in condemnation and act like that something didn't change when you said yes to Jesus. When you said yes to Jesus, you got into the eternal salvation of who He is. The devil wants nothing more now that he's lost your soul if you're saved. If you're not saved, I'll help you in just a minute. Uh, but if you are, are saved, the devil has lost your soul and he has lost the rights to your eternity. So what he wants to do now is real simple. He wants to slow you down so you don't take anybody else with you. Come on. But I'm here to tell you, at least in the Brazos Valley, we are taking over and we're going to make it very difficult for anybody to go to hell in this region. There's something about God that when you begin to press into Him, all of a sudden the trials, they don't diminish. Matter of fact, a lot of times they will increase. Who can testify? You want to follow God? Listen to me. Uh, uh, you better get some thick skin. People say things about you, and a lot of times uh, uh, you look at a preacher, and you think, oh, they probably don't hear it. No, we hear it. We hear everything. And if we don't hear it, somebody, one of our friends, will come and tell us what somebody is saying about us. I never wonder why somebody says something because the Bible says they hated me. Jesus said they hated me, they're going to hate you. The Bible says bless those who are persecuted. So I got no problem with persecution. But my question oftentimes is when a friend of mine tells me what somebody else said, I wonder why were they comfortable to say it around you? I make no beef with my friends. If you're my friend, you are my friend. On more than one occasion, I have somebody come to me and say something. And they say, you know, so-and-so, he's a good guy, but... And I'll stop him right there. I'll say, get your butt out of the way. Come on. Because that's my friend. If it's not something that's going to build them up, I don't want to hear it. I love you. I love everybody. But that's my friend. Because the difference between a friend is a friend is somebody that you choose to be in covenant with. I didn't get to choose my brothers. Fortunately, both of my brothers are great men. Uh, we are very good friends, but I didn't get any choice in the matter. But you choose who your friends are. So in our life, uh, we literally become a new creature. But the enemy of God will try to convince you that you're not. Verse 10. Uh, he was called of God, a high priest, after the order of Melchizedek. Verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say. 
uh, and hard to be uttered, seeing uh, you are dull of hearing. Everybody say, not me. Not me. Dull of hearing. The Bible says uh, that literally uh, people get to the place where they are dull of hearing. The reason is is because we have so many sounds. I'm a hunter. I'm a fisherman. Uh, I have guns. I like to shoot them. And if you shoot guns without some earphones in your ears, uh, what will happen is, is your hearing will become dull. You won't be able to hear quite as well. My grandfather, uh, for a portion of his life, worked for the railroad. He was also a Marine. And when he was a Marine, uh, hearing protection was for sissies. So they would shoot these big cans, but boom, and his ears would ring and everything. And by the time he went to heaven, he was wearing hearing aids in both ears. And, and, if, and if he took them off, you could tell a secret around him and not even whisper. <laughs> because his hearing had been dulled in the natural. But I'm talking about spiritually speaking. Jesus said, he who has ears to hear. Oh God, let our ears never become dull to your teaching. Let our ears never become dull to the presence of God. Let our ears never, come, never become dull to the word of God. The Bible says in Romans, it says, faith comes by. Hearing. Come on, help me. Faith comes by. Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. So faith comes. That means faith is somewhere. So if it's somewhere, we want to get it. To where we are. So faith comes. Faith comes from somewhere. And it comes to where we are. And it comes and the route that it takes is hearing. It comes through your ears. That's why when I testify and I begin to talk about how God is opening the windows of heaven over different people's lives, faith begins to rise up on the inside of you. That's why when you see a drug addict underneath a, an overpass and you begin to tell them that the same God who raised Jesus from the dead is more than able and more than willing to set you free from crack cocaine in a millisecond, uh, the faith of God begins to rise up on the inside of that person because faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. The devil, uh, he is the reciprocal of God. He is not omnipresent. He is not all powerful. But his plan is to do the opposite of what God would do. Can anybody understand that? His plan is to do the opposite. He wants to go the other way. If God says yes, he says no. God says no, he says yes. At the very beginning, Adam and Eve are walking in the garden. And as they're walking in the garden... Uh, literally, uh, God said, hey, you can do everything you want. You can eat all these trees. Have a great time. Uh, take dominion over everything. Grow some crops. Uh, be fruitful and multiply. I got you a wife. Took her out of your rib. Everything's going to be wonderful. And then the devil shows up and says, whoa, 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 whoa. What'd God say? Oh, we can do anything we want. We just got to leave that one tree alone. Uh-huh. Why does he want you to leave that tree alone? And he begins to plant a seed of doubt in your mind. He begins to plant a seed of unbelief. Eve knew very good and well. Uh, they walked with God in the cool of the day. She knew very good and well that God didn't want to do something bad to them. He wasn't trying to withhold something from them. But just the same way that faith comes by hearing, doubt, unbelief, stress, anxiety comes by hearing. The doctor walks in with the paper and, and he's sitting there. And God bless, Everybody say, God bless doctors. We love doctors. He walks in with the paper and says, Sir... I uh, hate to say it, but we found, we found this, this, and this. And all of a sudden, on, on your inside, uh, your inner man, your inner man's knees are just knocking. Oh, I can't believe he said that. Now, listen to me. You heard that, and it caused something to come on the inside of you. Faith comes by hearing. So does doubt and unbelief. 
Stress and anxiety comes two different ways. Everything the devil wants to put on you comes two different ways. It either comes by you hearing something else or it comes by you not hearing the Word of God. That's why the devil doesn't want you to go to church. How come on Saturday morning you're up at 7 a.m. and you just want to can't wait to do it, but on, but on Sunday morning all of a sudden you wake up and your throat hurts. And you're like, wow, man, my throat hurts. Maybe I should stay, maybe I should stay, you know, at the house. And the devil's like, it worked! Because if he can get you to not hear, he can get you to not have faith. And if you can get you to not have faith, you can't even please God because the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. And if he stops you from pleasing God, guess what? you got to go back to the start. You do not pass go. You do not collect $200. You do not get to do those things. you got to start over in this thing. And we're going to get to that in just a minute. But you can't just keep cycling around the thing. Don't you remember the Bible says uh, that the Son of God is the light of heaven. Yes. He's the light of heaven. Yeah. Well, everything in creation is a type and shadow. So literally what we have, we have the Son... Uh, which is sitting still, if you didn't know. And then you have the earth and all the universe, all of our uh, area, that is revolving around the sun. So God is saying, I want you to revolve around who He is and what you will find is if you happen to get in darkness, just hold on because you're coming back around to the light. There's something about living for God, but you've got to build yourself up on your most holy faith. We can't let doubt and unbelief be the only... Listen, we got so many things speaking to us. we got five attorneys that were called judges that now have changed the order of America to try to act like that their law is above God's law. I don't care what they say. I care what the Bible says. I'm not going to listen to it. It's not coming into my ears. It's not coming into my house. I'm not backing off. you got to wake up every morning and make the devil mad that you woke up. The problem with Christians is we got too many toothless Christians. we got Christians with no backbone even if they got salvation. And this is what he's talking about. He says you're not standing up for anything. You're not pressing towards the mark. I'm not talking to anybody here. You're in church on a Sunday morning. But nobody's pressing towards the mark. Nobody's filling themselves up with faith. You say, hey, I get this a lot of times. Can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? Yeah, I'll do it. But listen, you've got to stand on your own two feet. I can't be everywhere at all times. Your favorite preacher can't be everywhere at all times. Your praying grandmother that you give all credit to, she can't be everywhere at all times. There's a place there where, bless God, you have got to decide, I'm going to put my own pants on, I'm going to pick myself up by my bootstraps, and I'm going to fill myself up with the Word of God, because when the Word of God is preached, now all of a sudden faith rises up. With faith, you can do absolutely anything. Of whom we have many things to say, and hard to be uttered, seeing they are dull of hearing. Everybody say, not me. Not me. Verse 12. For when the time that you ought to be teachers, meaning you should already be teaching. You have need that one teaches you. Just the first principles of the oracles of God. The foundational elements, the beginning. Oh my God, this is deep. The foundational elements 
of just what, I mean, just, just the ABCs of Christianity. You ought to be teaching people, and you're sitting there every Saturday morning. You've got to get re-saved before you go to church because you're, you should already be a teacher. You say, I don't know what I should teach. Well, well are you saved? Tell somebody your testimony. Have you ever heard of the old rugged cross? Tell somebody about the cross. You don't have to know the these and thous and the Hebrew and the Greek. You just got to know what God did for you. And if you can tell somebody what God did for you, the Bible says in Revelation that that person is now able to overcome because we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Something about living for God that's very different. There's nothing about living for God that is the same as the world. You look at the world, you need to think the opposite of what the world thinks. There's a move of God coming to this nation, but I promise you, you can mark my words, it's going to come to those who are seeking it and not just everybody that says they know Jesus. Where are the preachers of this generation? Where are those who stand up for righteousness and holiness? Jesus died on a cross because of sin and we've got people teaching that sin is no problem. Don't change your life. Just punch your ticket to heaven and everything will be fine. I beg to differ, sir. The Bible says the righteous scarcely make it in. I am so sick and tired of toothless, uh, 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 limp-wristed Christians acting like uh, Christianity is just another club that you can... It's not a club. It's where you give your life. And if asked of you, you literally do it too. There's a different thing coming. Nowadays we got a bunch of preachers that can put a good speech together and everybody enjoys hearing it and they walk out on Sunday morning and nobody is changed and nobody is challenged and nobody is different. Everybody's living the same. They're just flying a different flag. For when the time that you should already be teachers, you need that one should teach you the simplicity of God. Oh, I feel God. And more, and become such as you have need of milk and not strong uh, meat. You just need milk. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. He is an infant. Uh, you you got to get to where you want some meat. I'll try to dial this back because I'm a preacher, but I really want to teach this this morning. I want you to get this. You've got to get to the place where you want to consume some meat. The, the gravity of the Word of God. Because the reality is simple. In order to eat meat, you have to have a few characteristics. We've had three different babies, three different children. And each one of them, I remember when they went from, uh, 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 you know, mama's milk to maybe a little formula to, to whole milk to eating some peas that were ground up into slime. I don't know what that's about. Uh, but, but just different nasty stuff. But then one day, uh, they get some teeth in their head. And now they can eat meat. Well, we got a bunch of toothless Christians running around here. They don't have any teeth. I remember uh, my children. I don't remember if all of them did, uh, but one or two of them uh, used a pacifier. Did all of them use a pacifier? All of them used a pacifier. Uh, uh, I still do, just kidding. Uh, but all of them used a pacifier. And I remember when they didn't have any teeth, you could, you could play a little game with them. You could, you could pop it out of their mouth and they'd go... And you put it back in. You could just take out your... No problem. Just, 
And they, you know, they laugh and you put it back in there. And you act like you're going to take it for real. They get mad, you know. But you, you pop it up. But let them get a couple of buck teeth in their head. And that game becomes dangerous. Now it's like, and you're like, man, I'm going to pull their teeth out of their head. That's because when you got teeth, now you can hold on to something. Now you can chew something up. Now you can go to another level. You got to get some teeth in your head. You got to get some backbone to your Christianity. You got to get some gas in your engine. Come on, somebody. You got to get moving in this thing. God's not going to wake you up every morning and tell you, I hope you study my Bible today. He's going to wake you every morning, and that is your opportunity to study His Bible. Not in a weird way, but have you ever seen a little baby uh, sitting on mom or dad, most time mom, having a bottle? They love it. But have you ever seen a little baby with mom holding like this with a 16-ounce porterhouse hanging over their face? They're not ready for the meat. So let me say this. If that's you, nobody's mad. Nobody's mad at anybody. But we love you and we will help you. But you should not want milk for the rest of your life. And no good parent, no good father would give you milk for the rest of your life. You would become malnourished. You would lose your energy. You would lose your strength. You wouldn't become everything that you could be. But if you notice, you don't go to a steakhouse and have somebody feeding you very often. You go to a steakhouse and you pick what you're going to eat with the menu that's in front of you. You tell them, bring me a 16-ounce ribeye, bone-in, cooked medium, with a side of potatoes, Ooh. grilled asparagus, and, and I'm going to eat that, but I don't want you to forget about the cobbler with ice cream that's going to follow it up. And it's okay if it's not bluebell. Look at that baby. He said, give me some of that meat. I'll take but you go to a steakhouse, no, you, you then go, they set it in front of you, you take your knife, you take your fork, you cut that thing up and you put it in your own mouth. Because a baby can't feed themselves. That's why we're here. We're here to feed. We're here to bring milk. But when it comes to the meat, listen, there's a preparation of it. There's a, there's a, there's a, uh, uh, there's a presentation of it. And then there is a time where you have to make sure it's getting in you. That's not my job. That's not Johnny's job. That's not your mama's job. That's not your wife's job, sir. That's not your cousin's job. That is your job to put it on the inside. Moving on. Everybody say moving on. For when the time, you ought to be teachers, uh, you have need that one teach you again the first principles. And you become like you need milk. Uh, not strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness. Inexperienced. Unskillful means inexperienced. You're inexperienced in righteousness. Well, if you're inexperienced in one area, then you are experienced in the other area. You're inexperienced in righteousness, but you are experienced in unrighteousness. You're inexperienced in righteousness, Let me say it a little different. I was a really good sinner. You focused on it. 
you thought about it. On Monday, listen, Monday, you're still hung over. It is quiet in here. <laughs> Here's what I feel like. Here's what I feel like in the spirit. I feel like we're fixing to cross over to something, and, and, and the Lord's like, go, go, go. And the devil's like, shut your mouth. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Monday morning, you're still hung over. You're still drunk. You show up to work, and all of a sudden, buzz, buzz, you get a text message. And it's Bobby Wayne. Hey, what a weekend, brother. You're like, I know, man. Can you believe we did that? I know. And all you did was sit in a pasture and get drunk on Bud Light with a fire. You've done it eight million times in your life. Come on. Sit on a bar stool all night long. Hey, it was amazing. Can you believe he played my song? After a 12-pack, brother, every song is your song. It was amazing. Monday. This Monday's not even 9 o'clock yet. You're still hung over. You still got liquor on your breath. Your eyes are still bloodshot. You still smell like everything you rubbed. You didn't even have time for a shower because you've snoozed your alarm 800. It's Monday morning and Luther is texting you saying, Hey, let's do it, brother. And then all of a sudden the next text message is, What do you want to do Friday? You're still drunk from the past weekend and you're already planning your sinful endeavors for the next weekend. Come on. Come on. Yet when you get into righteousness, when you get into God, you act like God is a roulette wheel that it just whenever He feels like it, your number's going to hit so you don't focus on anything, you don't prepare for anything. When you spent your whole life being a skilled, unrighteous heathen, and then you get in God and you never become a skilled Christian because you don't press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ. Can I get a witness in this church? Everybody plans their unrighteousness, but nobody plans their righteousness. I plan my righteousness. I set a recording on my phone. I set a timer on my phone that says, I don't care what time of day it is, when this thing goes off, if it's just me and I'm praying under my breath, I'm going to make sure God knows that I haven't forgotten about Him because I am planning and preparing my life with Him more than these unrighteous heathens are planning theirs. And I'm not mad at the unrighteous heathens. We're here to save them. But let me tell you how you don't save a heathen. You don't save a heathen by acting like one. You save a heathen by not acting like one and showing them there is a way that looks right to a man, but the end of it is death. But Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. He will change everything for you. But we're unskilled in righteousness. We're not focused on it. We're focused on getting through the day. Oh, bless God, I wish, fri- I wish 5 o'clock would get here. What for, Cletus? What are you going to do at 5? <laughs> you're going to get on the highway and you're going to cuss a person out in front of you and you're going to be frustrated and then you're going to get home and you'll have 16 stories about how somebody uh, uh, cut you off in traffic when you forgot you had 20 minutes in a car that you could have plugged in a teaching tape and your faith could have been being built up by hearing and hearing the Word of God that whole time. People plan their wickedness, but then when they get saved, they don't plan anything. I just felt like I I should have gone to church today. Yeah, you should have that feeling every Sunday. I just felt like praying. 
The Bible says pray without ceasing. Got nothing to do with how you feel. Ned, how many names have I named today? I'm trying to name nobody that's in the room. So if, you, if there's a Cletus in here, I'm not talking about you, Jed, you know. Inexperienced in righteousness, typically uh, depending on the age. Meaning, uh, when you are a, a baby Christian, uh, you know, nobody's going to get bent. Uh, but, but you shouldn't stay a baby Christian. You should just pursue the things of God and the Word of God. Everybody say, why? Why? Strong meat belongs to them that are mature, that are of full age. Everybody say, that's me. That's me. Come on, say it by faith. That's me. That's me. God, give us some mature Christians. Full of age, full age mature. Strong meat belongs to them that are mature. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Let me read it in the New English. Solid food is for the mature whose discernment or perceptions are trained by practice to discern good and evil. One of the best gifts that you can flow in that God will give you is the gift of discernment. It will save your life. It will save your friends' lives. It will take you to a new place. The sermon, you remember the, the, the show Pinocchio? He, he, did, he was a, a wooden boy whose nose would grow when he lied. Wouldn't that just make it nicer to know who a liar was? Their nose was like eight feet long. Like, sir, I'm here. I wanna, I'm going to re-roof your house for $10,000, and I'll do it in a month. It's like, beep. You're like, never mind. Have a nice day. He needed a little cricket. Jiminy Cricket. And anytime he needed him, he'd say, just give a little whistle. Give a little whistle. Little cricket was like his discernment. He'd let him know right and wrong, good from evil. God's not a cricket. But oftentimes he doesn't get enough credit for when he does speak. People say things like, man, I just knew on my inside. Let me tell you something. You didn't know Jack. That's called the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Paul said, there's nothing good in me. That's the Holy Spirit. That's a gift of God that is speaking to you. And the more you will listen to it, the more you will listen to his still, small, guiding voice, the greater your opportunity to hear it again. But discernment is the gift that will literally take you take you through life without as many scars as you're supposed to have. Because the devil, listen, nobody talks about the devil anymore. Did he go away? I mean, is, 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 is he now out of work? I mean, I don't get it. But nobody, nobody even mentions it. And we got Christians that, that, are, that are walking into the, the boxing ring of Christianity. It's a yes to Jesus, which is literally uh, when the warfare starts on your life. And they're walking in with their hands behind their back like this because nobody told them you have an adversary that wants to beat your brains in. That's right. Let me just say something else about the devil. He only does what he is told. You don't tell him to get out of your life. You don't tell him to get off your children. You don't tell him to leave you alone. You don't tell him to get off your money. He ain't going to do it. Because he's got a job to steal, to kill, and destroy. How would you deal with a thief? A friend of mine had somebody uh, try to come into his house, 
not really coming to his house, came out into his pasture, and they set off some fireworks, pow, pow, the other night. Probably just kids. But he ran out there in his underwear with his shotgun. It wasn't crystal, by the way. Might have been a thief. Might have been somebody coming to steal. Might have been somebody coming to destroy. He has children and a wife. It's his job to protect them. But for whatever reason, we deal with the devil differently. We, we act like he doesn't exist. Or when he, when he does show his head, we don't, we don't treat him like a thief. <laughs> How do you deal with a thief? You call the cops. You call the police. You call the authority. In the name of Jesus, you get away from me. You have no say in this. Uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Uh, the Bible was not written with chapters and verses. It, uh, this was written as a letter uh, uh, or an epistle almost. Uh, and, and so there was no end of five and then get to six. So this is a continuation of the thought. He says, therefore, anytime you see the word therefore in the Bible, it's wise to try to figure out what it's there for. So literally what he's saying is, here, here's the promises, here's, here's the things. You can have discernment, you know, you can get strong in God, you can get off the milk. And, and then he says, therefore, so here's the opportunity, therefore, here's what we need to do. So, so here's the, you can have discernment, so here's how you do it. Therefore, here's how we get our discernment. He says, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, principles uh, is the word elementary instructions, leaving just the elementary instructions of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, let us go to mature, maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Meaning, listen, you should try not sinning. How great would it be to get into church and the first two songs, you're ready to go and you don't have to spend the first two songs repenting about the thoughts you had about Ned when you were walking in. About the things that you said and the things that you did. How great is that to just walk into the presence of God and say, Dad, I love you. Listen, what happens is if you walk into your parents' house and you've done something that you know they don't like, uh, the first thing you do when you walk in there, you're like, oh, hey, Mom, hey, Dad, how's it going? Because it feels like everybody just sees it on you. It's this burden. It's called conviction. It'll save your soul from hell. Always thank God for conviction. But condemnation is a whole other animal. That comes from the devil. You are not under condemnation. You're not under the law. You have been made new by God Himself. You are clothed in Christ. But when you sense that sensitive prick of conviction on the inside of your heart, when your heart becomes pricked with the conviction of God, it's in that moment that you should swiftly repent because that is God telling you, I love you, I want you close to me, and this is not something that gets close to the throne. So you come to church on a Sunday morning, uh, now you've, you've made a life instead of being skilled in unrighteousness. Bless God, Ned, it's going to be, we're going to tie one on tonight. I've already got the beer on ice, I've already got the, 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 the liquor, I don't even know what liquor's called. I've already got the liquor and the stuff and it's just going to be amazing. And I tell you what, I'm going to this place, these girls are there, there's girls everywhere. Bless God, it's going to be amazing. You were so skilled at it, you, you planned it. Where's the Christians who plan righteousness? Amen. Hey, let's get together and pray, bless God. I was with a group of my friends the other day. And all we did is just sit around and study the Word of God. Amen. You did what? We opened the Bible. We prayed. And we discussed the Scriptures. This is what we do. We're Christians. My children... 
Daddy, will you sing to me? Sure will. Right after I pray. Oh God, increase my children. Let your anointing ever be on them. Let them never be sick a day in their life according to the covenant where you said by your stripes we are healed. In Jesus' name, give them a good night's sleep. Never a nightmare in my house. In the name of Jesus, increase them in wisdom. Increase them in education. Let them hear the voice of God clearly in their life and let them always and forever be in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. We're Christians. Little Christ, what that means. What do you mean, little Christ? Jesus said, uh, be ye perfect as I am perfect, be mature like I am mature. That's what he said. I mean, you're supposed to act like Jesus. WWJD sold a lot of t-shirts, but it's a real thing. You find what Jesus did and you do it. Oh, Christianity is so simple. Living for God is so simple. You press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling. That means you balance in your own life your motives. I can't do it for you. You're going to say something to your husband and you're going to know it came from a place of ridicule or or offense or otherwise. And you have to weigh that thing. And then you do the opposite of that. That's the will of God. But we don't need to just be stuck on repentance and repentance is amazing. But if you're stuck in repentance, can I just say you're never on the offensive. You're never taking any ground from the devil. You're just trying to keep him from taking ground for you. Well, I'm just under attack. Well, bless God, attack back. I don't understand uh, why I'm always this, why I'm always that. I shouldn't say this. But I'm going to. When I was a kid, we were from a small town, you know. And I remember I was being picked on by a kid much older than me, much bigger, uh, much stronger. Not nearly as good looking, but either way. That was weird. That's my brother, John. But I'll never forget, I come home, I was upset. I said, Daddy, you know, Father knows when you're upset. I said, you know, this guy's picking on me. I don't know what to do. You know, whatever. It's the first time he ever told me this. Man, I'm wrestling to say this or not. But he said, next time he says that to you, next time he pushes you, I want you to hit him in the mouth as hard as you can. And I was like, come again? <laughs> and I felt like I had been loosed. <laughs> My whole life is like, don't hit your brother. Don't do this. Don't do that. And all of a sudden, Dad says, no, I need you to hit him right in the mouth as hard as you can. I said, then what, Daddy? He said, you hit him again. He said, until a teacher pulls you off of him. I'm like, is it Monday yet? Because I guarantee, brother God, if I come to school, you know, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm Billy. I'm Billy now. You know, I'm bad now. I'm ready. I just, here we go. Where are you at? I don't even need to bring my backpack because I'm getting sent home early. (laughs) I'll stop the story there. (laughs) But here's the deal. 
You got to hit the devil in the mouth if you want him to leave you alone. You got to rise up in your inner man and say, Get your hands off my stuff. Get your hands off my family. Get your hands off my. Come on, give God a shout in this place. Get your hands back. You get away from me right now in Jesus' name. You take your little baby. You walk into a, a gas station at night, at midnight in a bad part of town. You ever heard the, the phrase, like, taking candy from a baby? That's because a baby is what's called immature. They don't recognize danger. Can I say it differently? They don't walk in discernment like a mature person walks in discernment. So when you walk into a hostile situation and you're a father or a mother, this happened to me not too long ago. I drove into a, uh, got, got off the uh, interstate at the wrong place at like 1 o'clock in the morning and the kids needed to go to the restroom. So I'm walking them in there and it's just this terrible situation. And the kids are like, Reese's Pieces, Reese's Cup, can I get a Dr. Pepper? You know, just going nuts. And I'm sitting there like, leave my kids alone. Because everything in me was going not safe, not the right place. Wish I, wish I had stopped earlier. This isn't the place I want to be because I'm mature. I'm more mature than my seven-year-old or six-year-old, thank God. I'm more mature than my six-year-old. Therefore, I'm flowing in a deeper level of discernment. Therefore, I am recognizing the danger and I am preparing as such. But these toothless Christians don't recognize the danger and the devil has them like a punching bag beating them up and they're going, oh, I'll just hold on a little longer, Jesus. I'll just hold on. Let go of that holding on stuff and start taking over. Jesus said, the kingdom suffers violence, but the, but the violent take by Take by force. I'm almost done preaching. Then we'll all go get a steak. <laughs> Where's the beef? Somebody say, pass the beef. We don't recognize it because the sermon has left us or we've never attained it. I was praying the other day in my office, as is my custom, praying in the Holy Ghost, which means praying in tongues. In the spirit of fear, which I'm very accustomed to, we've met tried to come and bother me. How do you know? Discernment. I was praying. All those feelings come on me. And the only thing I could do is laugh. Because I knew. Devil, if you're trying to get me I must be doing something right. And if you came into this house, I want you to know you're probably leaving somebody else alone. So you came to the house, you came this way, but you're going to leave with two black eyes because God didn't give me the spirit of fear, but He gave me power, love, and a sound mind. You get yourself out of my building. You get yourself off of my finances. You get yourself off of my health. You get yourself away from my kids. Don't you get around my kids when they're sleeping. Don't you put any doubt in them. You leave this body of Christ and you get away immediately and I mean now and I'm just all built up now I'm like where's somebody I'm going to lay hands on somebody I'm laying hands on myself I'm like oh just fired up in this thing see that never happens to me baloney it does happen to you you don't discern it it happens like this you watch a scary movie Jason comes out 
and kills eight bajillion people and they do a seance and they bring the devil out and all this stuff and you get all these feels and you think, oh, that's just what... You're opening a door for the devil to come into your life and to take root in your life. When you feel that stuff, you're supposed to rise up in your inner man and say, leave me alone now. Take the CD out of the thing and get rid of it. If your favorite news show does nothing but tell you how terrible everything is, and by the time you're halfway through with it, you're either mad at good people, or you're terrified, bless God, find a new news show. Because fear is not God's motivator, it is the devil's motivator. And if the devil can't get you to do anything else, he wants you to be afraid. Because scared never did anything. My kids, when they're little, they're learning how to swim. They stand on the side of the pool. You say, jump. They say, no. Scared never did anything. I say, jump. I say, no. And I grab them and I throw them in. No, I don't do that. I know people that do. Guess what? They learn to swim. I don't know why we're not raising our kids like our kids are raising parents. We got all these kids like, I don't want to. Okay. Go to bed. I don't want to. Okay. Don't talk to your mom like that. I will too. Who's in charge? Raise a child up up in the way they should go. When they get old, they won't depart from it. Fear and admonition of God to honor the respect. If they don't honor and respect you, why would they honor and respect God? You're You're the representation of authority in their life. That's why they're cussing the teacher out. They got no appreciation for authority. They don't respect authority. Well, you should have heard what the teacher said. Well, get them in a different school. But your children aren't allowed to cuss teachers out. No, that's what the devil wants. Because if he can get them to not respect authority, how's he going to respect the authority of God's Word? How's he going to do it? How's he going to do it if they don't understand just the simple things? If they don't get the milk, they'll never get the meat. So many times in our lives, we get to the place We get to the place where literally Christians should already be teaching and consuming strong meat, but they're stuck on milk. Everybody stand to your feet if you would, please. I'm done teaching.